This is the Outpace Coaching Podcast presented by Coach Anthony and Coach Peter. Together, we strive to help you outpace the competition. In this podcast, we dive into everything endurance sports related and give you our perspective on what will make you faster. Hi, everybody. This is Coach Anthony and Coach Peter, and uh, we are back for the September edition of the Outpace Coaching Podcast. Um, yeah, so it's been another month, a little bit colder, yeah. fall's coming. Yeah, oh, big time. Yeah, I don't, there's no more open water swimming happening now. Oh, yeah, yeah. This week especially, last week felt like summer. Yeah, I did, yeah. I mean, it was like 80 degrees on Friday, uh-huh. and then I think now it's, what, 40s here on out. Yeah. Could mean skiing's coming soon, yeah. though. Listen to that previous podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for all of those who haven't listened to uh, last month's, yeah, that's the perfect time to do it. Um, but no, I mean... So I think the main thing on the updates this month is that it's trending in a positive direction with COVID, right? I think you go back to like June's and we had really nothing to talk about. Oh, race-wise. Yeah. 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 And yeah. now it's like, I'm actually pretty optimistic. Things seem to be happening left and right. Um, I think there was Square Lake. Yep, Square Lake. Happened. Which was another local race. And we had how many athletes doing yeah, that? There was quite a few that signed up. There was a uh, sprint, a uh, half, and then an yeah. aquathon. Um, or aqua bike? Aqua, aqua bike. Aquathon? Is that, that's what you're talking about, right? The yeah, swim and the bike? I don't bike? know. Aqua, aquathon, I think. Is, yeah. it, is that a swim I'm pretty sure it's swim? aqua bike. Okay, aqua bike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah no, it, uh, it seemed like it, everybody had fun. And again, it's the weather I don't think was the best, but at the same time, it was a race that you got to do in 2020. So. Uh, I think it was, yeah, because when we showed up, I mean, we didn't do it. We just went in spectators. When we showed up, the rain was clearing. Okay. But yeah. it was, I mean, it was cold. Yeah. That swim must have been really cold. <laughs> I know. I remember talking to multiple people that said they were really having a hard time feeling their feet oh, <laughs> coming in cold, on the bike. Cold, cold yeah. Swim, yeah. You know, that's the problem with those cold races. It's like, how do you get your extremities to stay warm on the bike? Sure. You know, it's like wool socks might be helpful, but if your feet are wet, you know, it's not really going to... Yeah, and the air temp is, is cold. That yeah. That Yeah. No, so that was good. Um, I did, Was there any other local races in the Minnesota um, area? I don't... I thought there was maybe so. like a duathlon or something. Oh, was did was Oakdale? Did that happen? Yeah. Was that it? Maybe. Yeah. 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 Otherwise... The tri season for the Midwest. Is Unfortunately, much yeah, it yeah. were like at the end of August they basically green lighted events, which at that point it's too little, too late. But yeah, yes, yeah, and then uh, the group more or less is training for the rim to rim to rim for some. some. So, so we've been doing some of those Saturday group hike sessions. Yeah, we did twenty miles at Highland last weekend. Yes, yeah, yeah. you guys, yeah, and then the Berkey marathon for a group this past weekend yeah that was i mean that was awesome i mean basically it's you do the first four miles on the berkey trail where the actual ski trail goes south to hayward um and then you turn off and you basically do two little like peninsulas i guess if you will both going back to the starting area um and then at the end it kind of sends you up a downhill ski hill you're you know running right next to the chairlift um but I mean, it was like peak fall colors. I oh, mean, nice. like amazingly beautiful and, you know, just like a perfect way to, to train. Now, you know, unfortunately, it's not super representative of the Grand Canyon, right? <laughs> One thing I will say is like, it's it's hard training for a race out west in the Midwest because you get like 30-foot hills, 
and there's no momentum gain. Like you're basically stopping and running constantly. Whereas, you know, like what the, the rim to rim, you start on like a five, six mile descent, right? And then you do like a five, six mile ascent. You know? So it's like totally different than, you know, the Midwest where you're having to kind of do the same hill over and over again. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's better than nothing. Yes, yeah, yeah. And you don't have the altitude either, which... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that that could be a bad thing, I guess. Yeah. When you get there. Yep, exactly. It'll be a adjusting adjustment period. Yeah, yeah. The tour? Yeah, the tour happened, which everybody was... I feel like each day it was kind of entertaining just knowing that... Um, I know they kind of, the announcer were like, well, this could be the last day. So people are racing as if it could be the last day. Yeah. So basically they did every Monday where they'd have a rest day, the bubble, which is what they called like the whole crew involved in the tour. So all the riders, all the team people. And I think like the news and like the engineers and stuff would get tested. And if they hit a certain amount of total people that tested positive, then the whole thing was canceled. And if a team had two individuals, then they had to back out. Yeah. And I honestly think there was like a total of three people, I think like two mechanics and then the race director tested positive and that's it. Yeah. Which is pretty unbelievable when you think about it. Yeah, it is. I mean, they must have, I mean, I know they were, they were all wearing masks prior to the race, prior to each stage. And then after it seemed like, I mean, they must have had pretty strict... Um, rules on what they could well yeah but then like you know she listened to the move which is the podcast that we both love afterwards and they were talking about how it was so concerning to see those you know they said oh no fans which you know there's no way they were going to be able to control that but there was those mountain days where you have these fans with no masks on like screaming in the face of the riders Right? Like they're like, you know, maybe a foot or two away. Yep, yep. And I know all those guys were saying it's extremely concerning to see that yep. when you're talking about trying to limit things with COVID and you have like people yelling right in your face. Drunk fans right yelling in the face of them. But that was, I mean, for those who didn't see the tour, like go back and watch some highlights because the way it unfolded with like. Unreal. I won't, you know, give it all away, but just like how it, the last day before Paris, it basically changed like the whole, it just blew up like the whole I haven't been thing. watching them for that long, but of the few tours I've watched, this one was so far and out the most exciting. Oh yeah. I mean, I was like, I was worried about my productivity in life because I had like this five hour chunk of the day. I had to a lot to the tour, you know, <laughs> now granted, like there's still the boring days, like every other yeah. days, but that's like the perfect thing to go watch the highlights of. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, it was, I mean, super entertaining. Yeah. And the, the last day too, with the time trial with the mountain kind of segment within the it. mountain time trial like and like the transition. Lights. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, and just the amount, I mean, the last climb, the person who won the, the TT Pogachar, like he, he put out like six, six watts. Uh, per spoiler t- alert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just gave it away. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. People already know. Yeah. Any, yeah. Anyone that it's been it. a week afterwards. Yeah. You lost your grace. Period. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't know how it happened. Yeah. So. But anyways, like he put out six watts per kg or something for the last 5K. That's like, for you, that's what, 600 watts? That's over 600 watts. For, for four miles, yeah. three miles? And I mean, that's it's uphill, so it's probably taking them 
15 minutes, yeah. 15, 20 oh minutes. Oh my goodness. I, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even think of that because he's at like a, a 7% grade. Yeah. So he probably put that wattage out for easily 15 minutes. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's amazing. And then he was at, and then they had the UCI championships this weekend. I don't know if you watched oh, that. Oh yes, yeah. But he was there and he had a breakaway. Um, they did like 260 kilometer a day. Oh yeah. And he had a breakaway for like 30 kilometers. Like yeah. five days later, <laughs> which is just so like clearly he's to be just... able to bounce back after a three week tour is yeah is amazing yeah. recovery time. And then they had the um that the first day they had the time trial day and it's kind of cool because the, the on the women's race they had a women's race as well and it's an American woman who's like apparently is the by far the strongest time trialist and she was a shoe in for the win but she had like a nasty crash oh, I, I don't know if you that. saw that yeah. But I was listening to, this is a little off topic, but it was interesting. I was listening to the Moves review on that yesterday. And they basically said, they were like, if you have a, a, a queasy stomach, don't look up her crash. Because she went over the guardrails and they said apparently the back of those guardrails are really sharp. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Slice that was... her leg up, yeah. Yeah. Because like she was, she was on track to like set course records and stuff. Jeez. And, yeah. then, and then on that crash, I, something must have happened because she just completely lost control of her bike. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the padding on the barricade yeah. was like... It, it went up to a certain point and then she literally hit the the guardrail right where the padding stops yeah exactly it's just like oh yeah. what, what bad luck i mean she yeah. is lucky there was a sign like uh, 10 feet ahead i mean she's lucky she went out before that sign sure yeah but Scary. too bad too yeah. bad to see yeah and then um yeah otherwise i'm trying to think what other updates there are um well you're having some people do some 5ks this yes, week huh? yeah yeah a little inner squad uh 5k race on the track this week and then um then next week in uh or not next week the following couple weeks october 24th i think on saturday is the next it's kind of funny because you have a group of people training for what a 45 mile run yeah the (laughs) and then you have people doing a 5k on a track i mean you could not think of the more opposite (laughs) (laughs) exercise yeah different energy systems in that uh, yeah without a doubt yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, I think just pretty much waiting for ski season, I think. Yeah. Right? At no, least I mean, I think, I think you know, like touched on it earlier. The theme of it is things are looking up, right? I mean, races are happening and yeah, hopefully yeah, even we'll at see, the, yeah. even at the trail thing, like they said, they, they had the announcements, um, the Berkey trail, they had the announcer continuously saying, wear your mask. We really appreciate everyone kind you know, participating in this. And, you know, say what you will about the mass thing, but if that's what allows events to go on, you know, I mean, I'm all for it. And if that means, and hopefully that's a good sign for the Berkey ski. Yeah. Now, granted, the trail marathon, I can tell you had a tiny fraction of oh, what the I'm ski race is. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm choosing the glass half full. Yeah. We'll <laughs> I'm optimistic. Fingers. Yeah, hopefully. And now for your monthly minute where we offer you a training and racing tip. This month's topic are principles of training. There's seven of them. The first one, specificity. Be specific to the demands of the event you plan to compete in. Individualization. Address individual weaknesses and adjust based on the athlete's ability to adapt to training load. Progressive overload. 
continued progression of training stimulus of either intensity or duration, variation and adaptation, don't rely on the same workouts, adjust when needed to avoid plateau, recovery, without recovery there's no growth. Remember this equation, stress plus rest equals growth. And reversibility, a lack of training stimulus will result in, de in decreased fitness. That concludes your monthly minute. Now for the main topic of this month's podcast, which is all about strength training. All right, so now for the main topic of September's podcast. Um, this month we chose to focus all about strength training. Um, yes. I think it's important we should probably kind of maybe define strength training, at least from our perspective, yep. right? Because that's a pretty broad term. And I, I think when people hear strength training, they might think one thing, but we actually see it as another. So I don't know. Do you want to maybe expand upon that a little bit first? Yeah, I would, I would say strength training, you know, you could also use the phrase like movement training. Um, you know, the biggest thing is it's not, you're not always requiring some type of external load or dumbbell or barbell or, or whatnot. It can be as simple as doing some type of like core or band work. Um, you know, and, and then really the biggest thing is, uh, with, with endurance strength training is that it's more so about building resilience and injury prevention. Yeah. Functional um, strength. Yeah. Yep. Whereas like, you know, doing some type of like body bodybuilding weight session or um powerlifting weight session isn't gonna carry over um yeah. as as well as something that's more movement based yeah and, and i don't you know it's not it's not something where you're limited to a gym right yeah. like you can you can do functional endurance based strength training outside of a gym format now it's helpful i mean you know there's plenty you can do and take advantage of that um, but perfect example is like with COVID, you know, there's opportunities to do strength training, mobility, gain, you know, a, a lot of that outside of just a classic gym format by using, you know, your body weight. Yeah, yep, exactly. And that's, I should have maybe mentioned that too, is like strength training can be body weight. Yeah. You know, it can just be, you know, you can do a lot of stuff with limited equipment. You don't need a $150 gym membership. Um and uh, you can do it all in your basement, which yeah. is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so more or less the goals of strength training, again, like I really briefly mentioned uh, before, it's more or less to build resilience um, in your ligaments, tendons, muscles, uh, improve bone density, especially for those maybe coming from like a swimming background or something that's more um, weightless or doesn't have gravity, the gravity component involved as much. Um, injury prevention. Yeah, injury huge. prevention. I yeah. think that's... That's probably the biggest the thing. The leading factor, I would say. And probably the biggest thing when it comes to convincing people to do it. Um, because, you know, as we age, um, you know, that's that's something you lose muscle mass as you age. You know, they say once you turn 30, um, if you're not super active, you can lose 3 to 5% of your muscle mass each decade after 30 years old. So what would you say is... Why is doing why why does doing these activities and focusing on strength training why is that actually preventing injury from someone who's you know a triathlete doing swim bike run what aspect of strength training is actually doing the prevention of an injury Yeah so I think the biggest thing is that it improves your posture um improves efficiency and improves muscle recruitment um 
you know, for example, as triathletes, we do a lot of freestyle swimming, a lot of time trialing in the, in the, in that crouch position yeah. on your bike. Yeah. Um, and we become, you know, that, that doesn't, that doesn't lend itself to having great posture. <laughs> um, you know, most people, if you look at a triathlete, um, who maybe doesn't do a lot of, whether it's strength training or just, you know, mobility and stuff like that. They usually have four rolled shoulders, they, their head protrudes forward, which then lends itself to upper neck issues and just like, you know, biomechanical inefficiencies. Yeah. So that's which over a long period of time and hours and hours of training just kind of perpetuate, right? Yeah. They just continue to get worse. Yeah. So just one prime example, your shoulders are rolled forward you know, in the gym doing some type of rowing motion to try to open up the chest, you know, work those upper back muscles. Not only will that prevent, you know, shoulder impingement, but also improve your posture while you're running, while you're swimming. Um, so I think, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, of course, efficiency as you fatigue throughout, you know, whether it's a long training session or a longer race, you know, those miles, um, you know, those last five miles of the run, like if you can be more efficient and resilient to the breakdown that just the, the race intensity, race intensity is toll on your body. Yeah. Um, you know, that'll improve your performance and, and prevent that injury. Uh, and then muscle recruitment, you know, when you strength training, um, in order to create more force, you have to recruit more muscle. Um, so that's, that's one aspect of just, you know, improving your body's ability to produce force, especially on the bike. Yeah, the bike um, is really the relevant one. You know, that that uh, explosiveness when running, um, you know, that's those, those are all components that help to prevent injury, improve performance. And I think, too, it's like, you know, the bike is a classic example of, I mean, the word power. It's right there, right? It's very, it's consistent with strength in general. But, I mean, just doing stuff like going and and doing glute exercises for example i mean talk about someone with the classic injury of runner's knee that is strength training now you go to the gym you might not feel like glute bridges are strength training right you might associate it with squats and stuff instead but like that can have a significant impact on your running efficiency injury prevention again you know like i could speak from my personal experience i had multiple bouts of runner's knee and everything I was told was it's all about the glutes and the realization was I was basically not using my glutes whatsoever putting a lot of pressure on that part of my leg and my knee I did exercises till I was blue in the face that were exclusively focused on glute strengthening and I've you know I, I've never experienced knee pain since then yeah yeah so it it's not like I trust me I, I didn't I kind of saw strength training in the title. I'm like, is this really considered strength training? But I think that's why we talk about like, it's a broad sense of like actually doing it with purpose, not just doing it for the sake of going to go lift Yeah. and actually like, what, why are you doing this? And is it actually functional to what you're trying to do, which is swim, bike, run? Yeah. And, and you know, um, you know, if you go into the gym, most people think like you were saying strength training is like you know, doing biceps, sit on the machine or sit on the machine. <laughs> yeah. And what I, what I consider, and I always, you know, gave, gave, uh, my fellow trainers when I used to work as a trainer. Um, and they, they, most of them would work on their goal or their show muscles. Yeah. You know, they're all show. Yeah. Whereas I was like, I'm working on my goal muscles. <laughs> well, I think what is it? The, it's the front of the body is for aesthetics. The back of the body is for athletics. Sure. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. another good Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. So work on your goal muscles, not your show muscles. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
but uh, but but uh, you know, all kidding aside, like you know, when you do add some strength training into it with the combo of cardio and some more functional strength based stuff, your body composition will improve. Mm-hmm. You know, so there will be a little bit more of an aesthetic kind of show. Um, oh yeah. Which which is always I mean we're we're endurance athletes but at the same time it's nice to look good too yeah exactly you know? <laughs> look good run good yeah feel good yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah so so with with that I think strength training um, it improves your body awareness you know especially when you are under load or ex- some type of external load um, you know it, it improves your ability to kind of sense like where are you feeling this how do you recruit your glutes how are you able to maintain stability through your core when you're doing a squat or doing whatever it might be which then carries into you know being more aware of your your position on the bike your position while running how do you pull do you feel your lat engages if you were doing a pull-up all those things um, help lend themselves to just improving you know more sport specific yeah. Um, yeah. And I I think too just thinking back to my progression through it over the years it's like you know the you put a note in here like talks about always focus on form overload, mm-hmm. right? Um and that might be a good transition, but it's the same thing when you try and translate what you're doing in strength training to like the bike, for example. Like I think about you take one leg squats, for example. Like the first time I ever did a one leg squat, I was like, man, you know, I get I felt like I was going 6 inches down. But no, then you get to the point where you can progress and then, you know, if you're doing it over months and months, you can almost get your butt to the ground with no problem, you know? And it's the same thing with biking. Like when I started biking, I could not sit in aero bars for more than 20 minutes without like my neck feeling like it was going (laughs) to, you know, something was going to pop. But then like as you continue to do that and you build that functional strength specific to what you're trying to do, then, you know, you can do an Ironman's worth of biking and hopefully never have to come out of that position. Yeah. So, I mean, you're training your body to try and like be able to evolve around what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And I think the more you can get good functional strength training, it just translates directly to, you know, your actual sport and what you're trying to do. Yeah. And to kind of carry it back to one of the principles of training in the monthly minute this this month, you know, specificity. So, you know, when it comes to doing strength training, you want what you're performing in the weight room to be more or less kind of specific to endurance athletics, you know. Um, and that's kind of the idea behind that principle is like, you know, if you're in there doing you know, uh, bicep, curls. bicep curls and leg extensions <laughs> yeah. on the machine. And you're wondering why your bike, uh, isn't improving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, well, is it specific to the demands of the sport? You know, and that's the way that you improve, you know, in, you know, for example, biking. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so the other thing too, uh, I think gets overlooked is that strength training should be you know, most people are like, oh, it's an off, I'm doing the off season. And then once I hit the season, you know, it's, I'm going to wait till next off season or yeah. <laughs> that might be. And I think that's often, um, you know, a little bit of a missed component of, of your yearly process, your periodization. Um, and later in the podcast, we'll kind of run through what that might look like throughout mm-hmm. the year, but making sure you do involve it during your race season. It's just a little bit maybe different focus. Yeah, well, again, I think it's just, I it sound like a broken record, but it's the word specificity, right? Like it's not one size fits all. I mean, when you're in the off season, you could probably put more of a focus on it and the strength building and all that. But, you know, when you're in the season, it might be a shorter session here and there and you're specific to what you want to get accomplished because you also, you know, you probably have peak training at that time, yeah. you know, so it's just like it should evolve throughout the season. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, 
you know, the next piece is just the, the hormonal response that you get with strength training, um, especially with heavier loads. So, you know, you know, starting with kind of a base, base of just more stability work and then working your way to being able to handle, you know, heavy loads, like Mm -hmm. heavy, heavy loads. A lot of times the fear is, oh, if I do, if I do a really heavy lift multiple times a week, I'm going to gain a bunch of size. But in reality is endurance athletes, um, I think that's probably the biggest myth is if I strength train, I'm going to gain all this weight and I won't be able to run yeah, swim biker. I won't be nimble. You know, yeah. yeah. And I think the amount of endurance and cardio based training that you, that we do as endurance athletes, you know, doing one, two, three days of strength, three days a week of strength training for 45 minutes, it isn't gonna, isn't gonna make you gain a bunch so of I think, I think the common perspective from everyone is for what I'm doing as an endurance athlete, I should exclusively do really low weight, high rep. Yep. And you would say that's probably not the case for a big portion of the season, right? Yeah. No, I, I think because of the, you know, the, the high, high rep, low weight, that's kind of categorized as like the endurance range. Yeah. So usually it's yeah, like muscle endurance. Yeah. It's usually like 12 plus reps, 12 to 20 reps in most cases of lighter weight, higher reps. And that's, you know, we get so much endurance training, swimming, biking, exactly. running. We do a ton of reps biking, a ton of reps running, ton of reps swimming. Um, so especially when you're into your season and you're doing that high mileage, um, why go into the weight room and do endurance space sets? That's a good point. You know, that's the time to focus maybe more on strength development and power. Um, cause like I said, it's going to be, it's going to lend itself to be more, it's going to provide a hormonal response. Um, rather than always being in the catabolic state, which endurance training is, and that's basically, uh, categorized as like, uh, you know, you're in a breakdown state. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you kind of move into more of an anabolic, um, which helps to increase testosterone. So again, don't shy away from heavy weights, you know, test yourself, push yourself, make sure your form is, is, is proper. And, and you know, I was going to say, yeah. what would you say to someone? Cause I know I've encountered this who really is you know is trying to get their their mileage in you know they have the century rides on the weekends and everything and then on top of that they got to go to the gym and do you know relatively high weight squats and all this stuff and they're worried about muscle soreness yeah so making sure to plan accordingly and you know your hard days being hard easy days being easy so you know, if you have a hard bike or a hard run, you know, trying to fit in your strength training that same day so that the next day you can maybe go a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, when you are in your peak training for the endurance side of things, it should be 20, yeah. 25 minutes. Supporting sessions. Yeah, maybe, you know, three sets of three reps. Like literally just maintenance, high weight, power, um, you do three reps of something, it, you know, even three sets or four sets of it, it's not going to wear you out as if you were to do three sets of 20 reps of yeah. like a moderate weight. I mean, that's going to be exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's becomes very repetitive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's something to balance and figure out, you know, you don't want to jump into it mid season and be like, I'm going to lift a bunch of heavy weights. I've definitely <laughs> had that where clearly I went too hard on my session and then I'm trying to bike 60 miles and I wake up and, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can feel the, the lifting from the day before, but yeah. it's bound to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be muscle soreness from anything you're doing with this level of training. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So we kind of briefly mentioned it before 
kind of that just age age difference. Yeah, should we talk about training? the gender and, and age yeah. differentiation? Yeah, and I think um, you know, like I mentioned, once you hit thirty, um, you know, depending on how active you are, you know, as an endurance athlete, we're very active. We're you know, whether we're skiing or we're biking or whatever that might be. Um, you know, that decrease in muscle mass is a little bit less, but still, you know, they say that people that are inactive, it's about three to 5% each decade after 30. So if you're mid forties, you know, upper fifties and you haven't strength trained in the past, um, you know, this is the time to get, get rolling. Um, and what is really cool is that you can actually reverse the effects of what's referred to as sarcopenia. And that's basically just loss of muscle mass because of age. So you know, it's never too late. So start, if you haven't been doing it, you know, the more muscle and the more resilience you can build before 30, the better. Um, but even if you are later in age, um, you know, it's it's time to get rolling. I think that's a perfect example of why people just kind of accept, it's like, oh, well, people at our age don't do that kind of stuff. And I was like, I, says who? Oh, like, yeah. you know, you see all the time when you go to those Ironman events, 60, 70 year olds who look great. And, you know, I like, I think that's a common misnomer. And like I happen to be watching, I don't know if you know the golfer Gary Player. Uh, I'm trying, I don't think so. Yeah, he's yeah. like 89. Oh, wow. But he's well known. He goes around and, and he still golfs 18 holes every day. But wow. then there's all these funny videos of him where he's doing like push-ups in the room with these young guys filming them. He'll like pull the cameraman over and challenge this like 25-year-old <laughs> cameraman to like a push-up contest and oh, just funny. blows him out of the water. You know, like I think it's the perfect example. It's like... 50, 60, 70 years old, if, you know, the more you can do that, the, the more you can kind of maintain that strength. It's, yeah. um, you know, kind of a misnomer that you just happen to lose it as you get older. Yeah. And, um, you know, when it comes to that sarcopenia, like I mentioned, it's, it's more prevalent in women. Um, you know, again, osteoporosis is a little bit more prevalent in women too. So that's something that, you know, not only strength training will help improve your ability to retain muscle and, and as you age, but also improve bone density, reduce the chance of stress fractures. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's, there's, there's so many reasons why to strength train. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming back to your, you know, when you mentioned, you know, maybe younger people don't think that they necessarily need it. Yeah. And I think for those that are maybe under 30, the things to focus on are making sure you have a really good technique um, you know, making sure your movements and your mobility is, is on point. Cause again, those, all those things, you know, if you can, if you can get those nailed in early on, it's going to carry into later in age. What do you tell someone who's a Olympic weightlifter who now wants to do an Ironman? <laughs> well, again, it's going to be like, well, Olympic, Olympic with Olympic lifting, if it's more power type focus, like it is very much functional more mm-hmm. so, but you know, it'll be like, well, you're not going to be doing power cleans too much more, you know, (laughs) especially if they've been doing it for a while. Yeah. Um, They might want to focus on shedding some weight and the running and the, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, should we talk about the progression and the structure of things typically? Yeah. So, um, like we alluded to before, you know, always focus on form rather than additional load or weight. Um, and then, you know, start with basic kind of stability based exercises. So how I usually start people is, you know, more of a stability phase, which incorporates body weight, you know, mobility, um, and then move into more of a muscular endurance, um, which again is a little bit higher, higher rep, lower weight. 
um, kind of again focusing more heavily on form mm -hmm. rather than adding a ton of weight initially and then move into more of a hypertrophy phase which is kind of that mid-range it's usually right around 8 to 12 reps a little bit more of a moderate weight and would you say that the way you just explained that also goes along with off-season, pre, exactly. mid, yep. so that's kind of how it would typically be structured? Yes, yep, yep. Um, and then the last uh, couple phases are more power strength and more of a power maintenance phase, um, and that kind of lends itself into the, the, the season. Yeah, um, which would be higher weight, lower rep. Correct, yep, yep. yep. So when it comes to um, frequency, how often you should do it per week, during the off season, you know, most cases I have people do it, try to fit in at least two to three sessions per week of right around 45 minutes in length. Um, and that's usually between maybe October and January time period. And then kind of preseason training, um, depending on when their A race is, when they kind of start picking up their endurance side of things, you know, two times per week, anywhere between 30 and 45 minutes in length. And then when you're in season and you're more in that high load, um, you know, low, low rep, um, more power strength phase, you know, maybe one to two times per week, 20 to 30 minutes. And again, those people that are younger in age who don't have to worry necessarily about as, you know, necessarily about losing muscle mass as, as quickly, um, they can maybe stick to one time per week, especially if they have some experience strength training in the past. Yeah, and this, I mean, this is a good, you know, in a in a perfect world, people have as much time as possible. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> but this is a good example of like when you're dealing with someone with a limited amount of time, and during that in season phase, the most a lot of their time is going to be spent, you know, swimming, biking, mm -hmm. running, all that stuff. It's much more time efficient to just have one or two, you know, twenty twenty five minute sessions in. You don't have to spend all day doing it. Um, and that way it's like, you know, cause in the off season, you're not putting in the mileage that you would be mid season. Yeah. Um, so it also is much more catered to that, like time starved athlete, yep. if you will. Yeah. And I would, I would almost argue, um, like if you can, you know, if you have a long ride and it's supposed to be six hours, stop, stop at five forty and do <laughs> 20 minutes of strength training. Yeah. You know, it's going to probably pay off. Um, more to do, you know, again, 20 minutes per week, you know, a couple times a week, you know, most people should be able to fit that in. I agree. Um, yeah, and when it comes to workout structure, just so that you can kind of have an idea of how to set up your strength training sessions. Um, so usually you want to start with some type of cardio or like movement-based warm-up just to kind of get blood flowing, you know, warm the muscles up, ligaments and tendons, and then, you know, do some type of foam rolling, um, maybe some stretching and then some type of activation. Um, you know, if you... Uh, when it comes to like rehabilitation, usually they kind of phrase it as release, lengthen, and activate. So the foam rolling is the release part. I always thought that was a weird way to warm up. Yeah. <laughs> I never would have thought of foam rolling before. Yeah. If, if it, it feels good. I mean, it's a good way to like loosen things up. I agree. Yeah. And I think for, for that specifically, focus on your problem areas. So for example, if you most triathletes are super tight through the quads and hip flexors mm -hmm. so release your quads and then maybe do a light stretch of your quads and then do some glute activation to help activate that kind of reciprocal muscle or that opposite that opposite area yeah. um so that when you get into the strength session maybe you aren't quite as quad dominant but you're actually able to activate your glutes um so that's an example of like that release lengthen and activate sequence and then 
you know, doing, once you get done with that, you want to do any quick, quick movements. So if you're going to do jump rope, if you're going to do plyometrics, if you're going to do any explosive box jumps, anything like that, get that out of the way because you're not fatigued at that point. Um, and then move into your kind of strength development or whether it's again, more of that muscular endurance or it's hypertrophy or it's more that power kind of strength phase. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that, just a light cool down, maybe some, some easy mobility type stuff. Um, but that kind of, again, hopefully that gives you a little bit of an idea of how to structure your strength session. Um, so you can best execute that and and do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the last one, I mean, we have it on here, but we've touched on it plenty is kind of mobility, right? Like we do include this in the strength training umbrella, if you will. Um, you know, I, I think one important thing we, we both have down is, is foam rolling. I think there's a lot of opinions out there. I mean, from our perspective and correct me if you think differently, but it's like, if it works for you and it makes you feel better and it helps with soreness and everything, even if it's a placebo, great, do it, you know? Um, now I wouldn't foam roll seven days a week. I don't necessarily know if it's good to be doing it on a daily basis, especially mixed in with, you know, all sorts of other exercises and strength training. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah. And I think for, for, you know, a lot of triathletes who are type A, who it's like more is better. Yeah. You know, exactly. that, that's where we've, Oh, I'll foam yeah. roll again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'll foam roll again. <laughs> yeah. And like they have the trigger point ball and they're just like digging the crap out of their, yeah. their quads. Exactly. And it's like, to a certain degree, you know, you don't want to, you want your muscles to recover. You don't want to damage <laughs> them more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, at least three to four times a week, you know, if you're going to do it every day, just, just, it should be more of a flush type thing. And it should be sp- specific to what you're feeling. Yeah. Like, don't feel like you need to do your full body every single day. Mm-hmm. But like if, oh man, my quads are really feeling it today and it helps, then it's probably worth it. Yeah. Um, but then I think the other one too is stretching. Like again, yeah. I, it's a little bit different for everyone. It's kind of a hard one, but I, I think that if it works for you and it makes you feel better, then that's great. I wouldn't spend an hour a day doing it, especially if you're time starved. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of one of those things where it can be helpful if you have problem areas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you know, with stretching, there's, you know, you know, usually referred to as two types of stretching. So you have your static and your dynamic stretching. Static is basically kind of where you're just in a specific position for your toes, multiple, you know, 20, 30, multiple minutes and then dynamic, which is more of like, you know, maybe there's some movement based, you know, uh, you know, within the stretching component. Yeah. I mean, one thing I would say with those, this is me personally, but like I, for example, if I'm going for a run, my preference is always dynamic stretching before the run. Yeah. You know, your high knees, your butt kicks and that kind of stuff. And then if it's a long run and you're really feeling tight, then doing that static stretching after the run. Yeah. Um, I know everyone's going to be different, but I even think that most people would agree that you're better off with some form of movement before the run if you're going to stretch out rather than just sitting there and touching your toes. And then if you want to spend some time on the floor afterwards, that's probably where you're going to have more of a benefit than vice versa. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I think, yeah. And that's, you know, that's what research has shown too, is like, if you do a a lot of static stretching, you know, long duration holds, it's going to decrease your explosive and, and your ability to generate force. Yeah, exactly. So doing, you know, like you said, dynamic, you know, maybe some movement stuff, maybe some light static stretching if you feel like it helps you specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but afterwards, if you, if you enjoy the static stretching, um, that's where you want to do it post-workout. Yep.
All right, as always, we like to end the podcast with a quote. Uh, this month's quote is from Steve Maraboli. Life doesn't get easier or more forgiving. We get stronger and more resilient. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next month.